listening to Cleaning the Case, a broadcast devoted to peeling back the culture and traditions associated with today's Christian faith through a widow, bride, and marriage theological perspective of Scripture. Welcome. My name is Andy Mendonza, and I will be your host. The title of this episode is On Earth As It Is in Heaven. And of course, uh, anyone who has been a Christian for, for any time will obviously recognize that from uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, what, what Jesus shared with his disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And starting out, that may not seem like uh, such an obvious um, title for this episode, but um, hopefully it'll make sense uh, going forward because this episode is about giving thanks, the giving of thanks, um, not just in the context of saying a blessing at mealtime, which is is really uh, the time that, that we most frequently uh, remember to give thanks, make a point of giving thanks, uh, would consider it almost uh, blasphemous not to give thanks to even hold hands and bow our head, regardless of where where we are, whether we're at home, uh, whether we are in a restaurant, at church, uh, we want to make sure that we give thanks. And if, if there are any uh, observers around us, if we're in a public place, we want to make sure that, that they know that uh, we're, we're Christians. And so uh, we give thanks. Why the giving of thanks has been reduced to what we do uh, at mealtime, um, I don't know uh, how that has come to pass over time or the significance of giving thanks uh, has been lost on us, uh, but that's what this episode uh, has to do with is is the giving of thanks and the significance of giving thanks. Uh, and when, what I mean by sig- significance is God's desire, our Heavenly Father's desire for us to, to give thanks, not just at mealtime, but at all times in for all things, uh, we are to give thanks. And so I want to uh, look at some passages of Scripture uh, where this is, is stated. And I also want to, to look at some passages of Scripture um, in order to, to hopefully explain why the, the giving of thanks is, is so important and that it is so much broader, so far beyond 
just giving thanks at mealtime. The first passage I want to share comes out of Hebrews chapter 13, and I'll start with verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, or in other words, sharing in his suffering. Uh, That's a a profound image for us in and of itself, uh, what it's talking about here. Uh, Because he says, for here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. And there's a lot to say about that. But what I want to address is what comes right after that. Um, Because he's saying, you know, your focus is no longer inside. It's no longer the, the city. It's no longer the temple. It's no longer the perishable. Uh on earth as it is in heaven. We have to remember that, on earth as it is in heaven. And so, in verse 15 it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Before elaborating on Hebrews, I want to read uh, another passage that's, or a group of passages uh, that are found in Ephesians chapter 5. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 again always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord. And you can find this in in 1 Thessalonians uh, as well, uh, beginning uh, chapter 5, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, and then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there may be some initial confusion in these two uh, sections of Scripture that I just read uh, from Ephesians and Thessalonians with uh, Hebrews. Chapter 13, uh, verse 15, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess His name. Um, because the word thanksgiving or thanks isn't found uh, in this passage. Uh, You find the word praise, a sacrifice of praise. But interestingly, if you you look this word up um, 
in its the meaning of this word in the original Greek. One, you will find out that the Greek word that's used here, this is the only instance uh, when it's used. Uh, and two, what you will find out is that it actually means thank offering. Now that may sound really strange uh, that, that, what's a thank offering? Not, we, you know, we don't talk about that uh, in Christianity today, nor do we really talk much about, about uh, the idea of sacrifice or sacrifices because uh, sacrifice is completely, I mean, for the most part, is associated in our minds to, to the sacrificial uh, system in Israel that um, in our minds was only for the remission of sins. And, and because of Jesus' one-time sacrifice, uh, it served as an all-time sacrifice uh, his shed blood to to cover our sins when we believe in Jesus, when we accept Jesus, when we accept his uh, proposal of marriage, the gospel, and we become betrothed to him. We, we become his adored bride. So, you know, this is kind of foreign languages. It's, oh, sacrifice has no place in our faith today. All sacrifices uh, passed away. But remember, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, um, there, there, according to some scholarship, um, there was an ancient rabbinical belief that someday all sacrifices uh, would be done away with, except for uh, a sacrifice of praise or the thank offering. And that all prayers would cease uh, except for prayers of thanksgiving. And that certainly uh, is something that when Jesus fulfills the, the sacrifice of his own life, the, the shedding of his own blood, um, in order to atone for for our sins, that that sacrificial system, at least in terms of the need to shed blood for the remission of sins uh, or to atone for sins, uh, certainly passed away. But here in this uh, chapter in Hebrews, we have... Um, it's stated here in verse 15, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, which is essentially saying the exact same thing as it says in Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, why, why don't we make that connection? Why have we not understood that? That even though, you know, the, the sacrificial system in Israel in terms of the shedding of blood, that that passed away, uh, the, the thank offering, the giving of thanks, um, as stated in both of these uh, 
chapters uh, is has never passed away. It is ongoing. It is uh, what God desires from us in Christ, um, fulfilling on earth as it is in heaven. And, and let me explain. Let me explain what's going on here and, and why the different languages being used in Hebrews uh, than it is in Ephesians. And in 1 Thessalonians as well. This difference is really important for us to understand. And I, I think, I've come to believe, the reason that it, had, it has been so hard for us to understand or to make uh, this connection between these two or even that sacrifice and the thank offering are, are still what God desires from us today is because most Christians today and, and historically... Uh, have been Gentiles, have had no, their faith has not been uh, rooted in Judaism, in under the first covenant, under the law, that those traditions, we, we, most of us, probably all of us, uh, or none of us, were, were raised in those traditions. And so um, we have no real familiarity uh, or orientation to the Jewish faith. That is why Hebrews is written the way that it is because it was being written to Jews. Jews who had an orientation to the Jewish faith, had understood and knew the traditions, uh, were under the uh, first covenant, under the law, not under grace. And so this, this book, uh, Hebrews, is was written specifically for them to help them to understand, to be able to make those connections uh, based on the Jewish faith that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise first to, to Eve uh, when they were Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden and then to, to Abraham and ultimately uh, to us after Jesus was born uh, and then offered up his own life. It makes those connections uh, using the Jewish faith uh, to present the case why Jesus was the promised Messiah uh, that, that, that God promised all the way back to Adam and Eve, that, that he would send a deliverer, redeemer, and a restorer who would ultimately restore us uh, with God once we leave this world back to paradise, back to a sinless setting uh, where we will be sinless as well. But in the meantime, what is important? It's stated very you know, concisely here in Hebrews uh, 13, you know, it's talking about the, the, the purpose of Jerusalem and the, the temple and that whole system is no longer relevant. Uh, 
just as Christ was was sacrificed outside the camp, the city gate, uh, which is where the sacrifices uh, that were made for the shedding of blood and the atonement of sin, uh, those bodies were carried outside the gate, outside the camp, that we are, that's where we are to meet Christ and to be with Christ because we are not citizens of this world anymore, uh, only in the flesh uh, and only temporarily, but otherwise we, we are strangers. Our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, we are already seated with Jesus in a heavenly realm. And so it says, come outside the city gate, come outside the camp and bear Christ's reproach, uh, his, his suffering. Uh, for here we don't have a, an enduring city. Everything around us, including our bodies, uh, is perishable. And then it says, through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And finally, it says, following this, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased on earth as it is in heaven. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Why does it say this in Hebrews if the idea of, of sacrifice uh, is no longer relevant? Because we don't understand sacrifice. Uh, because we understand it in terms of blood sacrifice and the remission of sin. But sacrifice just means offering. For with such offerings, God is pleased. He doesn't say offerings here because in Hebrews, it's talking to Jews. They understood the idea of sacrifices, meaning offerings in this context. Uh, and, and I even know that that uh, uh, in the Jewish faith, um, when someone gets, I mean, today, someone recovers from, from an illness, from a hospital stay, uh, congregants within uh, a Jewish congregation will, will send in a donation uh, to the synagogue uh, as a thank offering for that person's recovery. I mean, it's not a strange idea even today within the context of the Jewish faith. But remember uh, that, that rabbinical belief that one day all sacrifices would pass away except for the sacrifice of praise, the, the thank offering, and all prayers would cease except prayers of thanksgiving. This is an incredible picture for us because these two areas represent the two things that Jesus has said worship should fulfill. And that is loving God with our hearts, minds, and souls and loving our neighbors as ourselves. These two things 
fit those two of the greatest commands perfectly. Continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Give thanks to God in all things in Christ Jesus' name. How do we express our love for God any other way except through the giving of thanks, the offering of thanks, giving him credit for everything at all times, in all things. And the fruit of the lips, that the idea of fruit, this word for fruit, uh, the original Greek word is like the, the choices, most ripe, ready to be plucked fruit. And lips is, the, the meaning of it is like uh, the rim of a shore, which is vast, or uh, the pouring place, like a pitcher. You know, if we, if the Holy Spirit dwells within us, then, then our lips is is the the pouring place if we think of ourselves as vessels and temples unto the lord that we pour out our praise and thanksgiving thank offerings uh the the choicest ripest ready to be plucked fruit that that's how god views our offerings of thanks and then the other one to do good and to share with others You know, not only do we show God our love for Him with our entire being by offering Him thanks in all things, but we also demonstrate it by sharing with others, by serving others, because Jesus came to serve and not be served. Uh, we are called to think more highly of others than we do ourselves on earth as it is in heaven. The thank offering, a sacrifice of praise. That's the difference here in the these two in these two uh, books, Hebrews and Ephesians. Ephesians doesn't use the word sacrifice. Why? Because Ephesians is I like to say Christianity one hundred and one for. Gentiles, Gentile, these new Gentile converts who had no orientation to the Jewish faith whatsoever. They don't know anything about it. They don't know really know the, the history. They don't understand that because it wasn't a part of their orientation uh, growing up. It, it was no part of their heritage. And in addition to that, they, they were excluded from the Jewish faith. They were considered to be unclean, aliens. Uh, and now they're accepted, they're included. So Paul, you know, he, he writes in, in terms uh, and, and word pictures that, that will be very understandable to these Gentile converts, and, and really for us today who have had no orientation uh, in the Jewish faith. And this has been made incredibly clear uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, especially 
as it relates to to this this second area of sacrifice in Hebrews thirteen sixteen. Uh, you know, loving your neighbors yourself, not forgetting to do good and to share with others. Uh, listen um, to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start with uh, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, so it's, you know, Paul is making it clear here. Works are offerings, but it is not because you have made these offerings unto the Lord uh, that you will be saved. Um, it's the reverse of that. It is because we have been saved by grace through faith that we will offer up sacrifices of uh, thanksgiving, thank offerings, and uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves, uh, serving and not being served. Because it goes on to say, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now see, works has become kind of this 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 bad word in Christianity you know we, we don't want to talk about works because we'll immediately latch on to to the idea of works and that that we can uh, work our way into God's uh, good graces uh, in into salvation no it, it's talking about these these good works are sacrifices their their offerings their their good deeds um, and it says that God prepared these in advance for us to do now now he goes on to explain and this is really so significant to understand this what he's saying here in this context and in understanding what's being said in Hebrews he says remember you Gentiles who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision. In other words, uh, those who, who are Jews by birth and by heritage, by lineage. It says, remember that at that time, before Christ, you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. 
for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, I don't know whether that all makes sense to you. What I'm saying and and tying these two uh, very profound uh, mandates being prescribed in Ephesians and in in Hebrews and understanding that that one he I mean Ephesians is being written uh, to Gentiles who had no orientation to the Jewish faith and Hebrews being written to Jews who were completely uh, oriented to the Jewish faith at that time so that we can understand that all sacrifices didn't pass away because sacrifices are offerings um, that include works or deeds, that which we do to demonstrate our love for God by loving our neighbors as ourselves. And giving thanks to God in all things, in Christ Jesus' name. Now, maybe this sounds plausible, but where's the evidence with, with Jesus himself? Because I think that, that it is critical for us as we read beyond the gospel accounts to be able to take what what those authors are saying, uh, primarily Paul, of course, and and tie it back to Jesus, uh, his his own life's example for us, because his life's example, uh, as recorded in the gospel accounts, is a picture of of worship for us. What worship should look like. Uh, because we are called to come outside the camp, to come outside the city gate and bear uh, Christ's reproach, his suffering, his disgrace. That's on us, too. Uh, that, that is what we are being called to. We are not being called uh, to join ourselves with, with the perishable, uh, with, with citizenship here uh, on earth. Uh, because we're strangers here, we're aliens here now, we, we are citizens of heaven, we're already seated with Jesus in a heavenly realm. So let's look at, at some examples of Jesus himself um, giving thanks, uh, a sacrifice of praise, if you will, uh, a thank offering, but, but that we haven't necessarily understood it in that way. Uh, we, we've heard, we, we've read the passages where it says he gave thanks, uh, and, and the most obvious one that, that should come to mind with everyone is, is when he uh, breaks the bread uh, and, and the fish and uh, feeds the multitudes. So let, let's take a look at that 
uh, and read it. Uh, the gospel account I want to, to look at right now is Matthew 15, beginning with verse 34. How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Uh, he's asking the apostles. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. You know, he's, he's been out among the multitudes in the countryside teaching all day, and they, he's, he's finished, and it's time for them to go home. Uh, but everyone's really hungry. And so he wants to, to feed them before they leave. Uh, so they, he sends the apostles out, the disciples at that, that point, uh, to collect food, and they don't have very much, uh, not, not to feed the numbers who were there. And so Jesus tells the, the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They ate all and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Okay. I know you all know the story, and I suspect that uh, this, in large part, is why we give thanks when, uh, or say a blessing uh, at mealtime. And it's not that this is not what is going on, but what is going on in a much larger plane, a much larger picture here, uh, his giving thanks is because he is glorifying his Father. He is fulfilling his Father's will in all things, not his own. He doesn't do anything that is not at his Father's direction. And remember, on earth as it is in heaven, uh, giving thanks to our Heavenly Father in all things. Let your sacrifices be the praise of your lips and that which you do unto others, sharing with others. Both of those things are taking place here. He is both giving a thank offering and he is sharing with others. He is demonstrating or showing a love for God, his heavenly Father, uh, with his being, entire being, and he's demonstrating it by, by sharing. So this, yes, on, on, a, on one level, yes, he, he's giving, he's saying a blessing, but it's so much bigger than that. He, he's, he's offering this up. He's giving thanks for what they have. He's offering it up to God, asking him to to bless it, to sanctify it, if you will, and to multiply it. That's what the outcome here is, is a great multiplication takes place. Giving thanks, God receiving it, sanctifying it, blessing it, and multiplying it. 
there's such an amazing uh, picture for us here of what's going on. But what's going on here is also what is described or prescribed in Hebrews 13. Coming outside the city gate, bearing Christ's reproach, uh, not latching ourselves or focusing on the perishable, but, but our eyes looking forward, looking ahead, looking heavenward towards the place we are going to be with Jesus for eternity. In the new Jerusalem, when there is a new heaven and earth. But this isn't the only time that, that Jesus gives thanks. He, he does in other instances, like uh, the Last Supper, uh, when he breaks the bread and he passes the cup. Uh, he offers up thanks, a thank offering, and he shares, uh, you know, got that picture of loving God with heart, mind, and soul, and loving neighbor with our, as ourselves, and the picture in Hebrews. You know, that picture in Hebrews helps so much when we understand that, that it's being written to Jews and, and in that language and being able to look back at Jesus' actions like when, when he breaks the bread for the 5,000. But there's another instance that has nothing to do with food. It has to do with Jesus um, before he calls out for uh, Lazarus to, to, to arise and, uh, because Lazarus has died. Jesus has been notified that Lazarus is critically ill, uh, but instead of just getting up and rushing uh, there, he takes his time. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies. And so when he gets there, uh, everyone is, is mourning. They're sitting Shiva, so to, Shiva, so to speak, uh, you know, which is the, the Jewish tradition where when someone dies, you go and sit with the family uh, for a week, for seven days. And um, Jesus arrives. Everyone around him is, is, is crying, is wailing, is mourning. And so in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, uh, verse 41. So they took the stone away. Jesus said for them to remove the stone uh, that, that covered the entrance to the tomb where, where Lazarus had been laid. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with straps of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. It's, it's really interesting that in, in both of these instances, both when Jesus gives thanks and then, then uh, breaks the bread, the loaves, and the fish uh, in order to share it, um, this giving of thanks 
to his heavenly Father and our being called uh, to, to make this same offering, the same sacrifice, thank offering to God, uh, and the sharing with others. Um, it, it's not just for ourselves. It's for the ways that, that we see the opportunity uh, for what God has given to us or done for us to give him thanks as we are doing for others and not just doing for others without realizing that we are nothing apart from him. And the only reason we are doing it for others is because what he has done for us. And you see this incredible outcome that after he gives thanks and God has heard it, he has blessed it, he has sanctified it, and he has multiplied it. And this multiplication manifests, manifests itself not only through Lazarus being raised from the dead, but the impact that has on all those who have witnessed this, who were who there mourning, whether they're there or they're back uh, at his home, mourning with the family, that impact. But also, there's something else that's very significant, is that Jesus says that he, he gave thanks audibly so that the people could hear that what was going on was his heavenly father's will and that he came from his heavenly father and they would have also understood because they were Jews that what Jesus was doing was offering up a, a thank offering a sacrifice of praise not for Lazarus being raised from the dead I mean after it he did it before for what God was going to do he gave thanks uh, for that. Because apart from our Heavenly Father, it means nothing what we do for others. Our loving our neighbors as ourselves. It means nothing unless it is according to God's will. His purposes being fulfilled. And that's why Jesus is, is giving thanks. Offering up a sacrifice of praise. A thank offering. Because it is not about him. It is God who is the one who actually raises Lazarus from the dead. And I think the reason uh, that we really don't understand this and why sacrifice has been so uh, misunderstood or, or misinterpreted it's because we, we have this, this belief that, that sacrifice is really uh, what we do without, what we suffer for. We, we think about Jesus and the sacrifice, the, the offering of his life uh, and, and what he suffered for. But that's not the definition of the word for sacrifice that's used. Uh, both speaking of Jesus' one-time sacrifice as well as uh, our own uh, sacrifices that, that God desires 
from us through uh, the giving of thanks to him in all things as well as, as sharing with others. It's not what we do without and that we suffer for. It's what we give unto the Lord. We don't lose it. We don't give it up. Uh, we, we give it to. And in the same way uh, God sent his only son uh, as an offering, uh, God didn't lose Jesus. Jesus returned to him. And what we do in the same way that we offered up is treasure stored in heaven. And it, it's, it's ours when, when we are with God. Uh, it, it's our inheritance. So sacrifice, the, the, the literal uh, meaning of that word is uh, the act of sacrifice or the victim of sacrifice, uh, literally or uh, figuratively. Um, Jesus was both the, the victim and the act of sacrifice. According to his heavenly Father's will, he was willing to allow himself to be offered up as a sacrifice uh, to atone for our sin. So he willingly allowed himself uh, the act of sacrifice, but he was also the victim of sacrifice, literally. Uh, but the word for sacrifice that, that describes his sacrifice is not one that talks about the shedding of blood, even though we, we think of his sacrifice in that way because the shedding of his blood atoned for our sins. But in Christ, when we have accept his, accepted his proposal of marriage and we are betrothed to him, already married to him, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are, are sealed and the Holy Spirit, we are under a covenant of grace, then our own lives, um, our physical bodies become temples unto the Lord, and that we, we are here to fulfill our Heavenly Father's will, uh, offering up sacrifices of praise, giving thanks to Him in all things in Christ Jesus' name, and sharing with others. And these two things go hand in hand. And we, on a daily basis, uh, we are the act of sacrifice because we are offering up thanks and we are sharing with others, but we can also become uh, the victim of sacrifice. Um, suffering can come upon us because we're called to come outside the city gate and bear Christ's reproach, his suffering, and not to look at that which is perishable, uh, buildings, uh, material possessions, church buildings, cities, nations, but, but we're to look to the new city that is to come. The, the new Jerusalem, that's supposed to be the focus of our lives, and we, on an ongoing basis, are to be both the act and the victim of sacrifice, either literally or figuratively. Uh, in, in other words, if we were literally uh, the uh, act and victim of sacrifice, uh, it would mean that um, we were martyred. Uh, we died uh, for the faith, not, not in terms of uh, 
atoning for anyone's sin, but just glorifying God uh, because we belong to him and we are here to fulfill his will. But if we are not called uh, to be martyrs, if that's not God's will for us, then, then we are figuratively uh, acts and victims of sacrifice because we are to deny self. We are to glorify God in all things. We are to give thanks to him in all things and to share with others. And that's, that's a denial of self. We give God credit for everything. And in doing that, we serve and are not served. We think more highly of others than we do ourselves. And the final point I want to make has to do with the word pleased. It's found in Hebrews 13, 16. And it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. And the sacrifices he's talking about are... Uh, include uh, verse 15 through jesus therefore let us continually offer to god a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that openly profess his name uh, it's really interesting because this particular word for that's translated as the word pleased is only used three times uh, in the new testament and, and they're all found uh, in the book of of hebrews and it just means uh, a pleasing thing, that God is well pleased with a thing, to, to, to be pleasing, be well pleased. But listen to the, the three passages, and, and I think it's important uh, for us to, to realize that this word for pleased is only used three times, so it stands out is how important this is to God. The first one is in Hebrews 11.5 when it talks about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And then the second time is in Hebrews 11.6, the next verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And of course, the third instance is in Hebrews 13.16. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And, you know, it's easy to understand this when we look at Jesus and we look at him giving thanks, a thank offering, a sacrifice of praise before he shares with others, before he, he, he does good for others, before he serves and is not served, uh, thinking more highly of them. Uh, their hunger, their need uh, for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. Um, but because the word sacrifice really has no place in our Christian vocabulary today, uh, which means there is no understanding for it, uh, it has so totally diminished uh, the idea of our being literally or figuratively the, the act of, 
or victim of sacrifice because that is what Christ modeled for us. And we are to be like him in all things. And finally, I want to uh, end this podcast by, by looking at, at Jesus, uh, the night he was betrayed, and the last time that it is recorded uh, that he offered up thanks, a thank offering, a sacrifice of praise. When Jesus uh, breaks the bread, the loaf, and shares it with the other disciples, and he passes the, the cup of wine, uh, that he, he gives thanks before he does that, a thank offering. Once again, uh, they would have known and understood what that was, and, and for the same purpose, that he does it here before he raises Lazarus. Um, so his disciples will know that this is not his will, but his Father's will. You know, in the, the Episcopal Church, uh, they, they call communion or the Lord's Supper uh, the Eucharist, which comes from the word uh, Eucharista or Eucharisto, uh, meaning to give thanks. What happens from this this time in the upper room going forward? How does it end up here? Jesus is giving thanks. He's sharing with his disciples. It's right out of the playbook in Hebrews 13 about let your sacrifices be, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. God takes our offerings of thanks and blesses them and sanctifies them and causes a great multiplication. And when you look at where this ends up, it ends up with Jesus on the cross offering up his life for us. And God has taken his, his thank offerings, his sacrifice of praise, uh, that night in the upper room. And he has uh, blessed it. He has sanctified it. And after Jesus has been crucified, has been in the grave for three days, defeated death, a great multiplication occurs because he is raised from the dead. And the gospel, the good news of the gospel, goes forth and spreads in that area first and, and ultimately uh, over 2,000 years. It, it has multiplied. The multiplication has, has taken place throughout the entire world. That's what Jesus did for us. And when we fulfill God's will on earth as it is in heaven, God takes that when we deny self, when we give thanks to him in all things, when, when we share with others, when we place the needs of others above our wants. Uh, he blesses that, he sanctifies it, and he will cause a great multiplication. But when we don't fulfill on earth 
as it is in heaven. Then we, we hold on to what it is that, that God has done for us. We claim it for ourselves. Uh, and then we give ourselves credit for what happens in our lives going forward. And we don't share with others in the ways that, that he has shared uh, everything with us. Uh, we hold back. Uh, we keep for ourselves. We establish our own kingdoms, our own individual kingdoms and our own corporate kingdoms. And we raise them up to heaven unto ourselves on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. You've been listening to Pleading the Case with Andy Mendonca posing the question is the church today the pure and undefiled bride that God desires us to be? Or, like Eve, have we been deceived and our minds led astray from our pure and sincere devotion to Christ? Until next time. <laughs>